Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So we'll start, as we do every week, with a completely random question. Alice, another food one for you this week. Starters Ooh. or desserts? Both, please. That's Always not, no, both. No, no, that's not it. Not no. allowed? <laughs> yeah, it's, I said starters or desserts, didn't I? That's what I said. Damn. You know what? It's tricky because I, I, I always go into it thinking that I can hack both. So then I'll order my starter, then have the main, and then I'm always too full for my dessert. So I usually, just by default, end up having the starter over mm. the dessert but i enjoy i do enjoy both equally like mm. and if i could fit it all in i definitely would and mm. then maybe like a coffee and a little snack afterwards as well but i don't know because i love i love sweet and savory equally mm. so ah oh, you've stumped me with this one josh you, like, well, you you i bet you're you're probably starters more aren't you because yeah, i know you, you like starters, a cheese yeah. board I'm, instead of a dessert very yeah i'm very much just i'm very much a savory guy mm. uh, I, I like a dessert i do i, I like, a, like i'm the same as you i'd have all three but if i could only have mm -hmm. one it'd be the starter for me because i could live without dessert yeah if I, if I, I do think the desserts can sometimes be a bit of a letdown as well. And they always look like if, you're, if you've got one of the menus that's got pictures in it, um, they always <laughs> just look so much better than they actually end up being. Yeah. Whereas I guess with the starters, like with starters, you could give me like a bowl of olives and some bread and I'd be like, oh yeah, delicious. Because I just oh, would love you? olives so much. Oh, oh, do you not like olives? Disgrace. <gasps> yeah. oh I love olives I yeah. literally oh I, I order because my husband ain't so keen either so like I'll order the whole the bowl and I'll just scoff the whole thing I could easily eat like 30 olives in one go 30 olives in one go easy maybe not all in my <laughs> mouth at once they're not mini eggs come on Uh, so we'll move on to talking about this week's film, um, which is The Brothers Solomon from 2007. So spoiler warning if you haven't seen it. Um, Alice, it was your turn to pick this week. So what's it about and why did you pick it? 
So the Brothers Solomon follows the story of the Brothers Solomon. John, played by Will Arnett, and Dean, played by Will Forte, two single-grown men who live together. They are very close with their dad, who sadly becomes ill and slips into a coma, and his doctor tells the brothers that usually if someone has something to look forward to, it can help them out of the coma. So John and Dean decide that they need to have a baby to give their dad a grandchild. Now, the problem is their social and romantic skills are very limited. Their mum died when they were children, and their dad raised them in the North Pole, isolated from society. So after a few failed attempts at wooing the ladies, they ultimately turn to Craigslist to pay a woman to carry a baby for them. This woman is Janine, played by Kirsten Wig. Kristen Wig. sorry. I, you know what? I always get that mixed up and she deserves so much more than that because I bet she gets that a lot, right? Kirsten Wig. It's like, no, it's Kristen Wig. <laughs> anyway, and after overcoming some obstacles, the baby arrives, the dad wakes up and everyone lives happily ever after, basically. So there we go. There's a the synopsis. So why did you pick it? So I picked this one because so the the first time I saw it, I just remember it making me really laugh out loud, like mm. on quite a few occasions. And this was only a few years ago. I didn't see it when it first came out. So it was probably about four or five years ago where I saw it for the first time. And it really did just make me laugh out loud. And I remember seeing that it didn't do very well. I didn't see exactly what it got and exactly the critical reception it received. But I did remember that it didn't do well. So I was like, okay, how about, you know, go back, revisit this one, see, you know, it, I say like even with more mature eyes, but it, was, it wasn't even that long ago. Um, so yeah, I just thought I have to go back and see what was wrong with this. What didn't the critics like? What didn't the audience like or whatever? Like, where are the problems with this film? Um, had you seen this one before? I don't think you had, had you? No, so, so I, might, I, I might have sort of let slip a little bit last week, but I, I'd never even heard of this. Um, and I so obviously I hadn't seen it. No, so I went in with with sort of no expectations. Really, I tried to avoid the critical reception. Um, although I did see a little bit of what you're sort of alluding to there. Um, so I went in with the expectations that you were going to suggest it because it was underseen. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 yeah, I was I was because I went in with no expectations. I sort of was quite not not pleasantly surprised, but there was certainly a lot to like in the film and it certainly didn't deserve some of the kicking that it got, which obviously we'll come on to. So having rewatched it then, as you say, what did you like about it this time? So I didn't, it was weird. So I didn't dislike it Mm. and I didn't not enjoy it, but I didn't like it as much as I did that first time around. And it didn't strike the same chord with me in terms of the comedy. Like, it didn't really make me laugh out loud as much. But then I was wondering, like, can a film make you laugh out loud two times over? I mean, as I'm saying that, remember, pop star, never stop, never stopping. <laughs> that makes me laugh every single time. So or it can be done. Bridesmaid, speaking of Kristen Wiig. Oh, yeah. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And yeah, and that's that's got a brilliant rewatchability factor as well. But with this, it was... So it wasn't as hilarious as I remember, Mm. but there was a lot to enjoy about it. So we'll start as I tend to always do, and I don't even do this on purpose, but it just always happens with the opening scene. So we get, (laughs) you get to know so much about the two brothers in that opening scene, don't you? Because they're doing like uh, an online dating profile Mm. that they're filling in themselves about them as, as like a duo. So it's not for one of them, it's John and Dean together and they're sort of describing what they're all about and it's all sort of very... You know, they're they're quite, in some regards, they're sort of very endearing and they're quite sort of simple, not in terms of, you know, low IQ or anything, but just it's like the simple things in life. And they're 
quite straightforward, I suppose, because they've had this very isolated and this very unusual upbringing where their mum died mm. when they were very, very young and their dad raised them in the North Pole because when they, I think they were sad one Christmas and they were like, where does Father Christmas live? And he was like, well, in the North Pole. And they were like, so can't we go live in the North Pole? So he does that for him. So wonderful dad, like brilliant sort of, well, you know, dad I mean, move there. <laughs> wonderful from I mean, the point of view of them getting them getting what they wanted, but... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, obviously it doesn't work out brilliantly for them in the end. But, you know, you can see you, his heart was in the right place, I suppose. <laughs> so they're filling in, they're filling in like this dating profile online. And as p- part of the opening sequence is that as the opening credits are coming on and you're getting the names of all the actors, that Will Arnett and Will Forte, you get these like close-ups where they'll sort of come onto the screen and go off and they look at the credits, don't they? They look at the names that are appearing as graphics Mm. on the screen as if they can see them. Now that just really tickles me for some reason. I thought that was like a really cute and really funny way to open the film. It's like that breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. I don't know what you thought of that because it just felt like a really simple thing and it didn't feel like massively unique or anything, but it just absolutely got me. I should say as well, I love Will Arnett. Mm. Should have said that as one of the other reasons that I picked it as well. I think he's brilliant. I don't know if you've watched much BoJack Horseman, but I think that is one of the best television shows of all time. And I think he is just so good at bringing so much to a character. Um, anyway, yeah. So what what did you think of that opening bit? Because it was kind of, it was sort of like almost silly, but quite funny at the same time, I thought. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That was one of the things in my notes is I enjoyed it because it's a, it was a really good example of like the script working in some exposition to explain the background and everything you need to know about the film going in. There's these two brothers. They lost their mum when they were very young. So the dad moved them to the North Pole and homeschooled them there. So that leads into pretty much the main joke of the film, which is they've lived such a sheltered life that they don't understand a lot of the nuances of adult life, like in terms of them being not very romantically adept and stuff like that. But no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was, it was, it took me a little while to settle into the film in terms of is this, is this, is this sort of being satirical or is it actually just meant to be in no way cynical and they're just endearing and sweet? And I think. I would probably fall on the side of it being endearing and sweet and that they're just dim-witted and they've just lived a sheltered life rather than that it's some sort of subversion-type comedy, if, if if you know what I mean. So, no, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the opening sequence. Similar to what you said there, I love Will Arnett. He's very, you know, he's great in Bojack Horseman. He's also fantastic in Arrested Development. He's, he's pretty much in every, he's in at least one episode of like every massive sitcom in the States, isn't he? And he's definitely in Parks and Rec and he's in other stuff as well as, like I said, Arrested Development. Oh yeah, I've, he's in Parks and Rec. He's that doctor that gets Leslie to go for an yeah. MRI and yeah, stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, not even a doctor, just the x-ray technician. Yeah. Yeah, very funny. He's got a really great way of being kind of maniacal Mm. like he looks like a psychopath like he can make himself look like a psychopath and then sort of two seconds later will be the most charming person you've ever met and he's really good at sort of flip-flopping like that which really works for the for this character and this story because they there is a very thin line there where it's they are being endearing and it is quite sweet that they just they don't know any better you know it's almost as if that they've seen certain romantic gestures and romantic scenarios in films and on television. And they think, oh, so if I do this, this is how I get a woman. But then it's also like, it's quite creepy at some points. And it's got real like, but I'm a nice guy energy. Like at the, 
near the beginning, they're at the grocery store and he pays for a woman's groceries. And he's like, well, now you owe me something because I've paid for your groceries. And it's a bit, ooh, it's a yeah. little bit, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But that's, it feels like because of what he's been exposed to and because he's never had any real life relationships to sort of learn from, that that's the way, that's how he thinks he needs to get a woman. But there's lots of that throughout, isn't there, with these different scenarios where they think if you behave like like this, then the women will just fall at your feet and fall in love with you. And when they don't, they get a bit put out from it. Yeah, I think I think that's what I meant by it took me a little while to adjust to the style of the of the of the film because it does start with them and it's a bit like like you say, they're trying to chat women up and they're doing it by doing stuff like just buying their shopping. They're getting to the till and buying the shopping and being like, so I've paid for your shopping. So how about I help you take it to your car sort of thing. And obviously, normally when you see that in a film, it's like, it's sort of a slimy or it's like almost like a Johnny Bravo style, having no idea how to talk to the opposite sex or someone you're romantically interested in in any way. But then as it goes on, you realize that they're just essentially children in grown men's bodies. And it's not that it's not that they expect anything in return. It's that they think, they're being nice. But it took me a little while to, I suppose, make my mind up on, well, which is it? Because I suppose if you look at other films that this is like, like something like Step Brothers or Dumb and Dumber or something like that, where you have this sort of lovable but a bit stupid and a bit, you know, a sort of man-child type lead character or characters, you, normally there there is maybe a little bit of an undercurrent of cynicism. You know, they're always trying to, to get their own way or that sort of thing. And it's and it's you have to sort of make up your mind early, I think. So that's the only thing I really struggle with. But eventually, they do a good job of leaning into that and 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 and, and leading into the childishness. And sort of you realize, oh, they're just they're just sheltered. They just don't know what they're doing. Um, but I, it did take me a little while to adjust and sort of make up my mind. I think one of the main highlights for me was the script. So it's written by Will Forte, isn't it? Who is who is Dean? And I've not seen him in that much. I know he's in Booksmart, and I know he's in he's sort of quite a well-respected comedy actor and writer um, in in Hollywood. Because I think he's in I think he's got a sitcom called The Last Man on Earth, something like that. I think it's meant to be really quite it's quite good. I've never I've never watched it, um, but he wrote the script and as well as playing Dean. And I think what's interesting about the script is that they, they they clearly try and experiment with loads and loads of different types of comedy. So there is the silly humor like we talked about about there's just loads of jokes about them being um being brought up really sort of sheltered and being like adult children, I guess, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, but then there's also things like there's a bit of gross out humor that again comes from them not knowing what they're doing. There's cringe comedy again that comes from that a lot of it is quite surreal. It's quite cartoony. And then you've also got, you know, standard things like just, just actual jokes and, and slapstick as well in there too. So it was interesting to have a, to have a film, a comedy like this, which tried loads and loads of different, different things. Not everything worked, but it was, it was quite nice to have that variety. What did you think of the script? Well, it's very interesting the way that you've put that, because one of the things that I feel like I did observe this time around is it, it felt as if, it was almost a sketch show mm. and every piece was a, a sketch. Like every time they were in a new location, it was almost a self-contained sketch where, you know, uh, someone does something, here's the funny reaction and now here's the outcome of that. But then umbrellaed obviously under the whole film. So it's like this collection of sketches, but like you say, it's um, 
like testing out all these different types of comedy. And it's like, what can we do? How many different jokes can we make in how many different ways? So I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, I really did enjoy it. And sometimes it's hit or miss with things like this. It can be really annoying in a film or it can be really funny. But the overuse of St. Elmo's Fire <laughs> song, just all the time, like when something great happens. So I think the first time we get it is when they're doing a, a dressing up montage what are they about to do? Are they about to go out on dates? And so. they're in their closet and they're trying on loads of different outfits and St. Elmo's Fire is playing in the background. And you get it a few times. And then later on, because uh, Dean and John have a falling out. Um, what exactly do they fall out about? Can you remember? They have a fight, don't they? And John sort of moves out and then comes back. But he goes, he's so, they're so angry at each other and John drives off and he's, you know, angry driving and stuff. And you've got this St. Elmo's fire really slow down, like this really sort of beautiful moving piece of music. And that was just a nice contradiction to how they've used it throughout the rest of the film. Yeah, so I think they fall out because Dean tells John that he heard their neighbour Tara, who's played by Malin Ackerman, that basically slagging him off and saying she doesn't like him and John is a bit deluded and won't have it and they just have a fight. I think it sort of builds through the film anyway. Yeah, because he couldn't possibly imagine that Tara would think that so he thinks that Dean must be lying. And then when you get the resolution of this, so they... So we cut We cut to Dean. He's just arrived back at the flat. So John has sort of moved out or, you know, pretended to move out or storm out and he's come back and he's in the shower and Dean goes into the bathroom <laughs> And it, they have like, it's this really sort of um, like emotional exchange where John's like sort of sign out front, said roommate wanted and all this stuff. I can't, I can't remember exactly what they say, but it's just... It's, it's like a forced cheesy conversation, isn't it? Yeah, but they're both so like into it, aren't they? So it's, what is it exactly say? It's something like um, I sort of sign up front, said room wanted. And it's like, I wondered if you'd let a brother move in who's always putting his foot in his mouth. And Dean's like, well, how long would a brother putting his foot in his mouth want to stay here? And he's like, just for the rest of my life. And I just, that, I think that's the funniest moment in the film is when you get this kind of re resolution where they, after they've had the falling out. But that whole sequence is the best sequence in the film as well, I think. The uh, yeah, falling out. I, I enjoyed that sequence but I also quite like the big banner sequence at the end oh my god which I thought was quite that was probably the, that was the bit I chuckled the most at because I didn't laugh loads throughout of it I will say mm -hmm. that but there's a bit at the end where they're trying to find so Kristen Wiig basically is their surrogate uh, for their baby and she decides that she's going to keep the baby and raise it herself so they hire a skywriter to to assign to fly over the wherever it is they're living and hope that she sees it except the sign is like like it's like an essay isn't it and then mm -hmm. you see every character throughout the film reading it out and it's just quite i just thought it's quite a sweet and funny scene but obviously the joke is that it goes on and on and on and no plane could possibly carry this massive massive sign but that's the sort of humor i suppose that i think makes the film quite endearing is it's just quite daft silly humor it's it's a little bit out there, isn't yeah. it? It isn't just your standard comedy because a lot of the scenarios are completely, completely unrealistic. Yeah. It's quite surreal, isn't it? It's quite a surreal yeah. film. So for me, it was because it was trying all these different types of comedy, it almost didn't land on one. So it's sort of it's almost like it stretches itself too thin. And it's like 
maybe pick what the main joke is and what the main sort of type of comedy you want to do is and go for quality over quantity for me because otherwise it's a bit consistent it's a bit all over the place so that joke that daft joke with the banner and with them in the shower i thought that was really funny but then you've got other bits as well and, and i i sort of it's like it doesn't know what it wants to be it's it's like you, i there was just a, there was just an oddness to it an inconsistency that i couldn't quite put my finger on and it was almost like i couldn't settle with the film it's quite strange really it wasn't that it wasn't it wasn't the worst. I've seen, seen many, many worse comedies than this, and it was. But there was just something about it, some sort of inconsistency. I couldn't couldn't quite get on board with. What about you? What is there anything you sort of didn't like about it? So it was a little bit rough around the edges in terms of, I guess, technique and sort of. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And the technical elements of it. So a lot of the shots or a lot of the cuts felt almost one second too long. Like it was like there was a little delay. It like so if you say you're filming an actor and they read their line, they'd finish reading their line. There'd be a second pause, and then you'd cut to the next actor for their response. So it didn't really flow, and it at times it felt a little bit studenty. Mm. I don't and not like it's not bad, but the cuts just weren't super sharp. I thought I. Th- and you kind of lost the flow of it and it made it um what's the word 
jarring, you know when it just lacks like jar- maybe a little bit jarring but just when it lacks pace a little bit yeah, i guess a bit slow. so if you do yeah yeah so say if you did compare it and i'll stop talking about it eventually i promise but if you compared it to something like never stop never stopping that's just you're just bombarded yeah, it's constantly it's like bam it? yeah. bam bam here's the next thing here's the next thing and that's not always what you want but for something like this because the script like there's not layers and layers to the script you know these the characters aren't incredibly complex and the storyline isn't you know it's not there to be like this complex sort of harrowing story so the pacing just felt off i guess for a comedy um the other thing as well, I thought, was there was a real overuse of extreme close-ups of the actors, predominantly Will Arnett and Will Forte, so Dean and John. Um, and that's obviously just a technique and a style choice, but you just get so many extreme close-ups, and they wouldn't be saying anything particularly dramatic. It wouldn't be even uh, uh, amongst something you know that was sad or particularly funny. So it it just felt like it was shot a little bit weirdly. Yeah, I agree. I don't I, know if you. Yeah, yeah. I think what it is for me, it's we've almost both said it in different ways. I think it's that I wonder if the script is going for a really surreal type of comedy. You know, something a bit like Napoleon Dynamite, where it's this specific type of comedy, but then it's layered and and mixed with conventional comedy. And it's like it's not one or the other. So there's got surreal elements in the concept and probably the way it's shot. All those close-ups, I think, I don't, that that's not a mistake. That's not an error. It's obviously trying to do something to you as the audience in terms of whether it's meant to unsettle you or, or add to that surrealist type of comedy. But then you've also got this idea that it's trying to be a conventional heartwarming comedy as well. And the two don't quite match up, I think. I think that's what it might be. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point now that you've said it out loud. Um, and, and I suppose if you watch it knowing that and trying to piece the two worlds and those two sort of different genres together, then it might then it might hit a bit different. Yeah. But it just... Like, those sort of close-ups are usually reserved for maybe like thrillers and mm. horrors. Or really, like really you... indie comedies. Yeah, like, lo- yeah. Like, like, yeah. We really need to see, we really need to see the faces and the eyes have a lot to do with it. Mm. Um, and if it, maybe if it was just going for that, it would have made sense. But like you said, because there's such wacky, crazy and sometimes gross out comedy, the two, I think, don't necessarily match mm. that well. Weird, isn't it? It is, it is weird. Not... It is. Because it's like, like you say, a lot of, I suppose I would probably say like lower budget films, you quite often get, if you look at, for example, someone like Taika Waititi's early work with like Eagle versus Shark, there's a lot of big close-ups of the actors because it's a really good way of telling the story if you use their expression and mix it with obviously good dialogue because you don't have the money to do other stuff. But this seems to be that they want to have that indie comedy feeling like something like Napoleon Dynamite but it's still got a Hollywood sheen to it. It's got like a glossiness to it. So it's almost like they're trying to do Napoleon Dynamite meets something like Step Brothers, but it's neither one nor the other. It's not got the sort of conventions of an indie comedy, but it's also not got the 
the laugh out loud belly laughs of something like Step Brothers, I suppose. It's weird. It's, it's, it's just a bit inconsistent and it's a bit jarring, I think. And I wonder if that is what has put critics and, and audiences off. Mm. It's like pick one or the other. Yeah, if you can't if you can't make that marriage work, then maybe don't do it. But obviously, you know, props for trying. Like, you know, there's nothing, I don't mind a, a genre melding. Like, you'd love to see it. But I think in this instance, there was just something missing. Um, just something else, uh, I thought as well. There was no, like, there's no nuance or subtext to any of it, is there? Like, there's never, there's never two things going on on screen. Mm. What what you're seeing is what's happening and is what is. There's no, there's no hidden meaning. There's no you know, mise-en-scene choices or or anything that's adding to the story or not that I could see and not that I could analyse. I agree. It just was, wasn't it? That's, I think that's what made me... That is kind of why it feels a little bit like a sketch show and like each piece is almost like its own individual sketch. Yeah, I agree. It's like, again, it's back to the, to the earlier point, which is that it's not... It's a comedy that is quite a high-concept idea. Two brothers are sheltered and they want to adopt a baby... That's quite a high concept sort of almost mainstream comedy idea. But then it's not got any of the exploration of something like an indie comedy where you might think of something as being, yeah, it's a comedy, but it's also actually, it's exploring this side of being a human or it's exploring this sort of social issue or something like that. And it just doesn't match up. So it 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 lacks the mainstream conventions of a main of a huge hollywood comedy but it lacks the human side of uh, an indie comedy whilst also trying to maintain this high concept idea i think and i and i just I, I agree with you on that one it's just it's neither one nor the other so it's just a bit of an inconsistent nah. so having said that let's move on to talking about the critical reception now now obviously we're here to decide whether it's underrated or underseen and we've said things we've liked and we've said things we've done and uh, as we do. So I'll be interested to know where this one ranks in terms of what of what we decide. So, I mean, we've we've touched on that it didn't do well critically or commercially. How do you think, like, I suppose, just how bad do you think it is? It's It's a hard one. And I have to, I do hark back to the first time that I saw it and it did it did make me laugh out loud that first time. So I wonder, I just I wonder why that is. Like, I can't even remember which specifically, like which parts I found that funny, but I know that it did make me laugh out loud the first time, but not really on the rewatch. Um, I don't, I don't think it did, you know, I think we know it didn't do very well. If I was going to mark it, I feel really disappointed. I'll be honest, Josh. Like I thought, I thought I was going to come away from this thinking, like, "Oh my God, Jed, that's hilarious!" Isn't yeah. Will Arnett great and all this? And I just didn't really feel that, but I really wanted to. So I guess I'd probably sit it like on a six, mm. like just bang on a six, probably. What would you give it? Um, a a bit lower than that, but not loads. Maybe a would five. You, yeah. Um, mm. but not certainly not much, much lower than that. But. Mm. Let's have a look then. So, so, so at the time of recording, IMDb gives it five point three out of ten, mm. but Rotten Tomatoes, the audience, give it thirty one percent, and the critics, oh, give it sixteen percent. Wow! So for me, ouch! For me, that's harsh. 
and I read 60. Yeah, and I read through some of the critical reception. There was just a lot of it, just I almost walked out. This is the worst film I ever saw. A lot oh, of no. people really slating it, but I couldn't see a lot of I couldn't see a lot of what they actually disliked. And I'm wondering if it is that inconsistent that we've talked about because a lot of critics get a lot of criticism themselves for not liking comedies. And we've talked about it before that a lot of the great so-called comedies aren't that funny, but then a lot of people will, you know, will like something like Bruce Almighty or, or, or something like that. But for me, that's that's harsh. So look, I had I had issues with it. I thought it was inconsistent, but it it was it was sort of a bit of a disposable forgettable comedy for me but it's not 16% bad I've seen worse things than this I've seen things that are sort of quite offensive you know things that have a nasty streak in them that are having a pot you know and I've mentioned it before you know when you look at things when there was that that string of films that came after scary movie that were just different genres and it'd be like disaster movie epic movie other ones and the joke would be like oh Lady Gaga yeah what about her well just there, isn't she? And you'd be like, mm. I think they thought they were taking a piss, but they were actually just mm. putting someone who looked like them on screen. Or you, you, you know, or there was a nasty side of like making fun of people in in the in the media spotlight who were having well publicized troubles, like people like Amy Winehouse and stuff like that. So that for me is the real issue: is when when comedies have a really nasty side to them, or they trivialize topics, or they make no attempt to connect on a human level whereas this i think it's a bit inconsistent and i wouldn't be in a rush to watch it again but it wasn't the worst comedy i've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination what about you mm-hmm. yeah i think that rotten tomato score is is quite mean what was the imdb one five point so 5.3 which is probably yeah uh, probably See, about that's... what i'd say but yeah, like I can totally understand that one a bit more, but I think those that 16% is harsh. And it is, like you say, because it's not... Because those characters aren't malicious in any way. And I think if if you didn't have the backdrop of them having had such an isolated upbringing and their mum dying so young, then it probably would be all those things that you just said. Like, it would be offensive. Mm. It's like, why are you treating other humans this way? Like, this is wholly inappropriate and, you know, unnecessary. But because they've never had those teachings, they haven't had anyone there to give them those life lessons, then it makes sense that they've got those gaps in their knowledge. So that sort of saves it a little bit. Um, But yeah, a a weird one. Like, I didn't expect to come out of it feeling this way a little disappointed but it, I, think. I think that's quite weird isn't it because like, you've obviously come out of it in your mind you obviously thought oh it's a little gem this it's a little underseen probably underrated gem and i'm gonna go and watch it and it's gonna be like yeah it's just like a heartwarming <laughs> underrated gem however you've watched it and you feel a bit disappointed but i still think it's underrated especially if we're going off the critics score so it's both underwhelming for you and underrated, which I don't know if that's the first time we've had that. I mean, would you agree? Uh, there was one, there was, what was one that I was really underwhelmed by? Oh, remember All Dogs Go to Heaven? Yeah, uh, yeah. That uh, that underwhelmed the crap out yeah. of me. <laughs> but, but this one, you know what? This one wasn't as underwhelming as that one. So there's that. So, but yeah, I think it's definitely underrated. And I think because... Because you hadn't seen it, Josh, and you're my benchmark for this, it's underseen as well. <laughs> so that's another one for the underrated pile and underseen, I reckon. So, Josh, what are we going to be watching? What? And underwhelmed. 
And We're here to talk about underrated and underwhelming films. Underwhelming <laughs> films. That's interesting. Maybe that should be a, its own category. Just underwhelming films and that. Um. Underwhelming <laughs> films, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so what are we going to be watching for next week? So I thought it was about time I picked another classic. Um, mm-hmm. So next week we will be watching and talking about Vertigo. Oh, Jimmy Stewart? I think so, the Alfred Hitchcock one. Ah, okay. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, join us next week when we're going to be talking about Vertigo, another one of our classic films. Feel free to give it a watch in the meantime so you know what we're talking about. Um, if you get a little chance and you could give us a little review on iTunes or share one of our episodes on your social media, it'd be very, very much appreciated. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, if you've got a film you'd like to suggest, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, Just Films and That Pod, and the website is justfilmsandthatpod.com. Uh, Alice, thank you very much for joining me as ever. Thank you, Josh. Pleasure as always. Cheerio. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.